Political Unmuted is a weekly politics show based in the northeast of England. The audience chooses the topics and we discuss them. So enjoy Political Unmuted. Tell it's been the holidays <laughs> because I got totally excited and came in and uh, sort of and, and welcomed you. Welcome to Bonnie Hardman, who is the first um, member of the public to welcome us back and welcome back to you, Bonnie. Hi, you're a total star, and we all know it. Um, welcome to Political Unmuted. We've all had our holidays and um, raring to go. There's so much to talk about. Let's just see how our um, wonderful team uh, and enjoyed the holidays. Laura Daly, did you have a nice holiday? What holiday? <laughs> yes, the, the, the few days I had um, off, I had a lovely time. Thank you, John. Did you? Yeah, yes, uh, very uh, un, un, unstressful. It, it sort of got going the last two or three days. But so, 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 Stuart, did you get a chance to have a bit of a holiday? Yeah, my, my family went away and I, I went along with them and uh, then I spent the week being ill. I was poorly the whole time and I got I got better just in time to come home. So I think that's that's your body saying, Oh, thank God I can be poorly. I I, it's, I used to be poorly all the holidays. Sam! I mean, sort of, um, you've got your new super job that you've been going around. I've seen you on Facebook, very, very busily. But did you get any chance to, to sort of rest and recharge your batteries? Well, no, not really, because home at home, doing my full what I'm supposed to do at home is harder than what I'm supposed to do at work. So it's all it's all very sort of, I'll, I'll go, I'll go, and then collapse for three days and rest and do nothing. So, uh, But yes, I have enjoyed it, but I will enjoy somebody else having responsibility for my children for at least some parts of the day. Thank you very much. And uh, sort of, um, it's really important, Sam, to get some, uh, some break. Uh, Paul? Did you um, have, have a managed to get it? Because you're another person who just never stops. You sort of I tell you off all the time about it. Uh, did you get some sort of self time? Did you manage to get a break? Loads, yeah. I've, I've uh, yeah, I've I've done loads of stopping. It was great. Um, I had some some nice people let us go and use uh, their lovely home in Whitby, which was really nice. We had a lovely time there. And uh, I've been, I've, I've lost a clem and a half. Um, I've stopped drinking. I've done all sorts of things over this, uh, over this holiday. I feel uh, loads better. My hair's turned into Zardu Hasselfrau's hair, so that's, um, that's all. You make these comments all the time, and we, we're supposed to be getting on the moment of the week. Zardu Hasselfrau. What, so what's this? Yeah, he's, he's got a magic boat. Um, yeah, so. Sorry, I think only I think uh, only I think only nerds are getting that reference. Sorry, it's a, it's too it takes too long. Have David Hasselhoff in the eighties, basically. I've got a David Hasselhoff eighties Baywatch hair. Um, I don't know why. So yeah. Oh, and uh, and Leanne's asked what a clem and a half means. That means a stone and a half. Yes, you have to start talking in English, um, basically. Anyway, let, let's start the show, everyone. And uh, that, that's the team. And Oh, hang on, hang on, hang on. 
order. Laura, moment of the week. Um, okay, well, I'll go as quickly as possible. My moment of the week, a month, or however long we've had off, has to be um, the little big meeting that the Women's Banner Group hosted at Red Hills um, because the Durham Miners Association were so kind to help um, banner groups hold their own little mini big meeting because the big meeting or the Durham Miners Gala wasn't able to go ahead again this year. Um, so we focused on education and we had um, workshops and we had a comedian and Joe Solo came up and sang and did some poetry and uh, it was just brilliant, really lovely, proper something good for the soul. It was it was really encouraging and yeah, I needed it. It was lovely. Thank you. Excuse me, um, team. Neil Terry says that's the seamless production I've missed. Lol, that's absolutely correct. This has a rustic air to it of reality. This is live TV, people, and uh, <laughs> at least live Zoom, and, and and sort of you get it, warts and all. There's no sound editor cutting out the ums and ers uh, in in this, and uh, that's what makes it so attractive. So thank you, Laura, for that. And, and you're absolutely right about that. They were just wonderful to see on uh, Facebook and raised my spirits no end. Stuart, moment of your week. At moment of my month, I'd have to say. Uh, I went to the East in Minus picnic while we were away, and I got to go with my family, and there was banners and music, and the weather was spot on, you know, really nice day. I mean, it rained the day before and it rained the day after, so somebody was looking out for us. God smiled on the Miners. Um, and they have such community spirit over in Easington, don't they? It's uh, it's heartening. spectacular. Sam, moment. Thank you, thank you, Stuart. Sam, moment of your people are saying month, but last week. Well, I'm getting I'm getting even more into the football, John, because it's exciting times in Shildon. Actually, we were uh, we. Uh, we did it. We did a football the other day, but we're doing one on Saturday against South Shields, which is a big deal. They're like in the like two leagues above us, <gasps> so it's exciting. But what was really disappointing in the the game that we played um, the other day against Stockton Town um, was that during as part of the match we had like a food bank collection, and it just reminded me how frustrating and how galling it is that these things have become such a day-to-day -day sort of part of our life that people accept now um I was walking through Darlington um Queen Street shopping centre the other day and Darlington Council have taken over a whole retail unit for uh like swapping out school uniform and things and I just think if that happened 20 years ago it would be shocking. And why Why is it not shocking now? It, so the, a lot of those things have been on my mind, but all, all together, very excited about the football, which I didn't think I would say. <laughs> well, uh, football is innately exciting. And thank you for um, sort of joining me on that one. Yes, that's, that's great. So you went to see a reserves match as well, didn't you? I or did. Uh-huh. So I, I took the kids to see um, Sheldon versus Darlington Town, uh, Sheldon Reserves versus Darlington Town, and um, we didn't win. But the kids did sit through the, well, they did a little bit of running about, but they existed while the football was happening, which I didn't expect to happen. Um, so I'll do more of that because obviously taking them to the reserves is a lot cheaper than taking them to the real thing. So if we have to quit and, and go home halfway through, it's not the end of the world. 
Yes, I always think that the reserves need more, more support than the main team, quite frankly. Um, and uh, thank you, Sam. And finally, moment of the week, Paul. All right, so my moment of the week's kind of just happened. I was going to do... Um... I was going to do Geronimo the Alpaca, which also just happened. So they just decided to kill Geronimo the Alpaca, which oh, seems no. to yeah, it was four hours ago. So it it was it was oh. killed, and the the poor thing, it's awful. It's harrowing, really, seeing this poor alpaca being dragged around and killed. And if anyone doesn't know what I'm talking about, this is the thing that um, uh, of all the things that have happened, that Kia Starmer decided to. It was his hill on which he chose to die. This alpaca must die along with Kia Starmer's political career. Um, you know, so Starmer, for some reason, was embroiled in this argument about this alpaca uh, near Bristol that had uh, tested positive for TB four years ago. Defra had said it needed to die because it was going to kill all the cows that were about to be killed for meat um, in the local area. And... Um, yeah, so that that's just been put together. So I said that was going to be mine, so I've seen to have on about it quite a lot. But I am going to say the actual one I'm going for is the Labour Party um, staff have voted to go on strike. Um, that's that's just come in. Um, I think it was, a, 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 was approximately 75% of members of Unite have voted to go on strike from the Labour Party on a 90% turnout. I'll just get the figures there. Um... If I can, uh, let's just see. Um, yeah, uh, 78% of Unite members voted for strike action if there are compulsory redundancies on a 90% turnout. 76% of GMB members voted yes to strike uh, um, if there are compulsory redundancies. Penny's in a little bit of a, a peony, so I'm sorting her out. Um, and that's what that little bark was. So, uh, yeah, so the Labour Party members of staff appear to be going on strike um, against David Evans, Keir Starmer and the redundancies that they're forcing on people, which is sad day for the Labour Party, I guess, if you care about that kind of thing, um, which we do. So, yeah. Thank you very much. Um, you cheated really there, Paul. You have two Sorry. moments a week. Sort of, um, for me, the latter one is, um, is devastating. Absolutely mm. devastating. And a lot of positive comments, Sam, about your comments about food banks. Neil Terry, we need to call this out. It's scenes from the 1980s. Is a job. Boys from the bank stuff. Horrific, horrific. Um, okay, and now, uh, ladies and gentlemen, um, it's time to move on to... Now it's time for the big story. And the big story is um, the planned cut to universal um, credit. Uh, these um, stories are, are not dreamed out of our head, um, uh, viewers. Um, it's the result of a, a vote in which you can take part on Political Unmuted. And I must say that I was a little bit surprised because this is something which has been being discussed over a number of, of, of months. Um, it's, it's not a surprise. Um, but nevertheless, uh, it came top of the polls. Stuart, why, why is it so important that it should have such prominence in people's uh, thoughts? I would imagine it's the time frame that we're, we're basically one month away from Rishi Sunak forcing you know, tens of thousands of people into deeper 
poverty. Uh, you know, we, we, we've been, we've spoken about the uplift so many times on this show and other shows. You know, we've, we've spoken about how important it is. And people have come out with quite touching stories and they've, they've told us what it meant to them. You know, it was dignity. It was making sure the kids were fed. You know, they were looking forward to being warm in the winter for the first time in years. And they're pushing ahead with, with the removal of what is uh, a lifeline for people. And it comes at a time where Rishi Sunak just got the planning permission for his big tennis court and his big pool and, mm. and all that. And I'd, got, I'd had an email today from uh, a constituent and they'd had an email back from the MP, you know, and lots of people are starting to get emails back from their MPs. They're starting to feel the pressure. You know, they, they can feel that this cut's coming and people are genuinely terrified. And this MP, my MP, had basically said, uh, I trust Rishi. He knows what he's doing. And uh, we need to incentivize people to get back to work. You know, so a good 40% of people on universal credit at the start of the pandemic, mind, were, on, uh, were in work. You know, it's much higher now. In some places, it's about, you know, 50% of the people in their community will be on universal credit. And these MPs think it's about being lazy, you know, that by taking away dignity and security, uh, you know, and taking food out of kids' mouths will incentivize people to go get a job. You know, that's what it's come down to. And people are genuinely terrified. I mean... We've, we say a lot, Stuart, don't we, that, you know, they just don't realise these people, um, that, that sort of, they don't realise that uh, most people on universal credit have a, have a, a job, anyhow, many people on university credit have a job anyway. They don't realise the effect of a £20 cut when all you're getting, uh, you're going to go down to £74 a week. They don't realise um, that, that it sort of, it isn't people, but I... Are you really telling me that they don't know these things? Uh, sort of, because I would put it to you that it, it isn't that it's part of um, a, a cynical callousness which plays that as a political card um, to um, enable them to really oppress the poor. Surely, that surely they know what they're doing, Stuart. They, they, they quite frankly admit it in their emails. You'll get the response back normally that uh, the place that Rishi had supported so many people and it, that it was a lifeline for, you know, tens of thousands of people. They state, and they're quite proud that they helped these people, but now they're going to take that away. You know, they, they, they're completely aware of what this means to people and they're completely aware of what it's going to do to people. And the, the, it's almost, they're quite happy to do it. They know it's, it should really, it's going to cost people both if you think about it in red wall areas, but they're still quite happy to go ahead because, quite frankly, the cruel bastards. Um, I'm going to move on, Stuart. Thank you. I could talk to you for a long time to get your view, which is right from the cutting edge. I know that. Uh, Sam, I mean, what can... Uh, so this is just going inevitably through. They've just set their face in like flint and they're moving ahead with it. I mean, what 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 do you advise people listening to this um, broadcast to, to do about this? What can we do about this terrible thing? 
well, like like you say, there isn't actually really anything much actionable you can do at this point. You know, we've 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 done the letter writing campaigns. We, we've talked to our MPs. There's not actually going to be a vote on it. It's just going to be done. Mm. So. I think we just need to remember and make sure that people remember at the next election what is going on and who is responsible for it. And I think probably if I was going to pick one actionable thing that people who are listening to this can do is to just challenge those narratives and that othering that we have of people who are on benefits. Uh, When somebody says, oh, and her over there, she's never worked a day in her life and she has better holidays than me. Don't let them get away with that. Challenge it you know, um, and just say, well, you know, you never know what somebody's, I've got a friend who you would think to look at her, she has a very nice life, but actually X, Y, Z, we need to chip away because it's those stories, that narrative of the the feckless poor that the Tories are really winning on. And it's our own people, (laughs) working class people who are uh, being pitted against our own on this. Uh, and we really need to chip away from those those stereotypes because they're not real. I mean, this is this is a, a key thing for me that in fact um, the anger against benefit cheats and and the sort of the support for a cruel universal credit regime actually lots of it's coming from the working class who are on universal credit themselves. Because sort of the, the, they are saying, well, I, yes, I, uh, but, but I agree with it. I'm not like those shirkers. I, I, I agree with this cruel regime and, and the regime that, that is punishing them when, in fact, they're working all day. They've got two jobs. Um, so how do you break through, Sam, that kind of way of thinking? I, I just think... Um, for, for so long, I mean, it's part of our culture, isn't it? You don't talk about religion or politics for so long. You just hear people saying things. And even if you don't agree with them, you just sort of, OK, I'm going to change the subject because it's really uncomfortable to disagree with you. But we need to say, well, actually, I've got a friend who has a, 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 a blue badge but can still walk to the car. Right. Those things, because. That's the type of, I mean, it's specifically, I've got lots of friends who are on disability, uh, PIP, personal independence payments. And I, I get a lot of that. People who are disabled talking about how somebody else isn't disabled enough for the, the support they get. And it's all because people people are living in fear. That's what it comes down to. Um, and they've been taught to, to bring that fear out against their people who are living in the same street as them rather than the people who are keeping them on the poverty line. Thank you very much, Sam. Some wonderful points there. God bless you. Laura, what's your take on all this? Well, I think, um, I mean, I agree with obviously everything that's been said so far that, you know, the Tories have made a career out of finger pointing and, and being there to, to, um, to give us the, the the victim and to give us the, the perpetrator of anything that's gone wrong anywhere. And of course, it's never them. It's always somebody else. It's either, you know, refugees coming over to pinch our housing or our jobs or, you know, those people down the street who get more money than you because they've had more kids than you. And there's, there's always a handy person that we can blame all of our woes on when in actual fact, if we have a look at the history of all the things that have gone wrong, 
over time and you know I, I successive governments not just Tory governments but let's just have a look at the last 10 years all the bad things that's happened why austerity has been in place and actually one of the first arguments I had with a Tory at the time councillor about this was on the original radio political unmuted show when we were just political John and that was actually you know that was actually with my now MP who just couldn't accept that you could blame Tory austerity for anything because they were saving the world with that you know they were saving everyone they were saving money and and look at where we are look at where we are we can't we're arguing over 20 quid and it's like that 20 quid could literally make the difference between life and death for some people but is and and for let's face it for most of the Tories and their friends is not even a drink it's not even the amount of money of a drink for those people. And it's absolutely pathetic that we can live in a country where the disparity of wealth is so vast that we're arguing amongst ourselves for these tiny pennies while everybody else buys yachts and gets their swimming pools redone and cleans their moats out. And what kind of life is that? What kind of reality are we living in where that's allowed to happen? We, as the working class, as Samantha rightly said, need to stick together and stand up for each other and support each other and call out all the shit that's being said about other people because we are in this together to coin a phrase of David Cameron except we're not in it with them we're in it on our own we've been left we need to you know there's millions of us (laughs) we need to come together and and fight all of this because it's just it is one thing after another and universal credit is the one that's bothering people now but there'll be another thing around the corner. The next thing will come along and we'll keep being in this position where we're being told whose fault it is and people are believing it. And we've just got to keep sending that message that that's not right. Paul, um, I took my wife to the uh, hospital today and, and in most hospitals you have to pay parking. I, I went and while I was waiting for her to have a procedure, I bought a newspaper, £2.50, and had a cup of coffee, £2.75. And there you go. <laughs> There's your £20 spent. And sort of how sort of £20 goes like that. Um, and and sort of and 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 is it not a trick that they've got us squabbling about £20? Whereas, whereas, in fact, they're sort of taking off, what do you call it, something, skimming off literally millions. And, and there's this disparity between the reality of £20 and what's happening, sort of what, what the rich are doing. Why can't people see that, in fact, we don't need to be taking £20 from the poor, we need to be giving them another £20 or £50 because it's impossible to live on the, the kind of sums that we're giving in, in, in sort of as benefits. Sort of what it goes to the hub of the attitude that can um, actually quite approve of, 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 of the one and sort of go mad about the other. What, what, what's happening here, Paul? For me, I think people understand this. People aren't stupid and people do know what's going on. And when it's explained to them in simple terms, they will 
get their head around this. I want to refer to Neil Turry had mentioned about how it's economically, what did he say, um, e economically stupid. I often use the term economically illiterate. Uh, sorry, it's economically stupid to take away the £20 up, up, uplift. It is economically illiterate because what will happen is um, if you keep that in place from a completely selfish point of view, if you keep that in place, then that money will be spent locally because people who don't have a lot of money spend their money locally. They don't like, you know, they don't get a massive contract from the NHS and then put it in the Cayman Islands. They will spend that in local shops and that means local people will benefit from that. And that's how economies are supposed to work. So putting that amount of money into your local economy, and I think uh, Stuart will have the figures, but and, and uh, it was on our show on Saturday night on Socialist Night Live focused on this. I think it was something like three and a half million pounds or something it's like that. Uh, like Sedgefield, for instance, it's over nine million quid a year. Nine million. So it's there you Sedgefield go. Sedgefield so, alone. So, so there's nine million quid a year for the people in the local community. Are those people not going to spend that twenty quid? They will. They will. But what they will do as well is they'll do sensible things like maybe buy broadband that's stable. Or or, be, or maybe maybe they'll get a fuel contract because they'll be able to do that and actually save money in that way and have more money because they're the ones who have fleeced out of that system. But we know this. Everyone can have this explained to them and everyone understands this. There is a lot of work getting people to believe the opposite. And that work's occurring all the time. It's occurring in think tanks. And the worrying thing for me is there is a lot of political economy in this. If you get this... this message out and explained we saw this in 2017 you can win an election on this like the labor party could win an election in on this and i think to myself why aren't they why aren't they going after this and the difference is for me that in politics at the moment there is no will to change anything there is no will to make people's lives better and there is something else going on and one of the one of the things that was mentioned to me was that um the the thing that they found most scary about Jeremy Corbyn is members' money paid off all the debts. The idea of big money no longer calling the shots in politics was abhorrent. And look at this. Big money, again, like calls all the shots in politics. So that's why we're not talking about this being good economics. It is good economics to give people this £20 uplift. Give them more and give everyone a bit more and keep that in the local economy. That is much better better economics than billionaires becoming a third more wealthy in the space of a year during a pandemic. Far better. And everyone I speak to agrees. Left, right, centre, whatever, whatever political persuasion they say they're from, they agree with that. So why is not one single political party going down this route? Thank you very much indeed, everybody. I'm bringing this to an end because we have three really important um, uh, topics to do in the last half hour of, of, of the show. Oh, golly, some of these uh, comments. Neoliberals don't believe in the multiplier effect. They think public money is spent into a black hole, uh, sort of, and that whole thing, that sort of... Um, uh, of, of the red wall, that sort of public spending is wrecking, uh, or the pull, pullback on public spending is wrecking um, red wall constituencies. Um, Mark Lungley, uh, fantastic comment about the fact that we need a, a higher minimum wage. 
Um, the whole thing of the balance of, 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 of wealth in our societies is, is to pop. Um, we could go on all night about these things, uh, but I'm going to move on now. Um... Um, if I can um, remind in public my team that we have 10 minutes on each of these uh, things. Um, Paul, Afghanistan. Um, can I go at a completely different angle from the way I've seen it reported? Um, <laughs> if you don't mind. I think a lot of people at home know what's going on in Afghanistan. They know about the evacuation. They know how terrible it is that the people of Afghanistan are going to be treated appallingly. Um, they know it's terrible. The women are going to be treated badly. And again, we did a special on this on um, on Socialist Night Live, not last Saturday, but the one before, which was absolutely amazing. We had um, Gary Coleman, who uh, served in Afghanistan in the British military, um, and we had uh, Mohammed Azif, who is an Afghanistan refugee. And we had, um, oh, someone from the Prisma. What was his name? So anyways, he's really amazing, a, a journalist from Spain. Juan. And Juan, yeah, Juan, the journalist from Spain. And he was absolutely incredible. And we went into a great deal of detail on what was going on on this. But what I want to talk about is, like, you know, it's really strange that, like, if I think back, would any of the politicians, everyone's saying we did the wrong thing going in and, and, you know, and Blair said we'd be out within a year and now he's saying, oh, we should never come out and he's saying all these things and everyone, everyone's doing. There's only one, like, one group of people and that's the people on the on the left who were saying, actually, we've totally done the wrong thing on Afghanistan. We should never have gone in. There's, there needs to be a completely different approach to... Um, to foreign policy and you've got all these establishment politicians all kind of arguing about like symptoms of the thing they've created but like let, let's think about it people may be critical of Tony Blair would any political party have done anything different at the time I don't think so I think they go in I think any like the conservatives go in with America no problem at all they invade Afghanistan Blair invades Afghanistan the only people I can think of who wouldn't have been who could have possibly been around the Labour Party at that time would have been the Labour left like you maybe Tony Benn or someone who's thinking totally differently so but again keeps on being proven right so why why are we not listening to people on foreign policy that seem to be getting it right every time and why is there such a consensus around like bombing and and all these things and like you know you, you can go back to world war 2 about like churchill and hitler and you know they all they all agreed and stalin they all agreed that intensive bombing is a really really good strategy in and and that it will destroy people's spirit what was it, it was churchill's mate who wrote wrote this thing up about it anyway um i'll go into that another time but they all agreed on this thing, which is absolute nonsense. And yet, we seem to keep on doing the same thing. We seem to keep wanting to invade countries rather than bring people together, you know. And the West are completely failing on foreign policy. And there was no attempt whatsoever by the USA to actually build a country that could stand on its own. It fell like a pack of cards within days because they didn't want an Afghanistan that could stand on its own two feet and possibly decide to go and do a deal with China. They wanted a country that needed the USA. And when the USA left, a country that needs the USA is going to fall straight away. 
and that's what happened. Um, the um, Mark Lungley says the USA should never have destabilized Afghanistan in the 1980s. Um, would you agree that that's the start of it? I don't know whether I would. Uh, sort of, and who who who's you to blame, Paul? Well, the the, Ameri- the Americans um, were very pro Mujahideen, weren't they? They were they the Americans. There's a there's an American minister. You can find this video on YouTube, and he's going um, he's going. You know, this is your holy war. Go out there and cause holy war because at the time it was a proxy war for the Cold War in Afghanistan because the Russians were trying to go in. It's all about resources. Um, and it's actually about the opium trade as well, which is <laughs> like it's a huge thing. Stock markets are feeling the effects because a lot of um, a lot of big businesses and a lot of uh, big money actually relies on massive black market money to get laundered through it. So, you know, <laughs> in order for the financial systems to work, they need to make sure that opium's coming out of Afghanistan. Honestly, it's an absolute mess when you find out what's going on about it. And I can't really bring myself to um, to go into that much detail about it. But that country has been destabilised by superpowers for their own benefit. And that's both Russia and the USA. And they both have a lot to answer for in that. Sam, um, an awful lot of comments um, talking about war is business, war makes money, military-industrial complex. Um, I mean, is is it as simple as that, that these poor people are suffering because of industrialists, uh, military businesses in, in, in the Western world? Well, what you've got to remember is once you enter the world of business, you enter this sort of alternative morality because it is the legal duty of any business director to serve its uh, shareholders and to improve the value of the company right it's not their legal duty to do the right thing morally Um, and that's one of the reasons that I'm not a very good business person because I couldn't do that Um, and I, I was working textiles and really the only way to grow my company was to take advantage of people working in sweatshops on the other side of the world and I just couldn't do it um, and even if you do manage to find a way to get the pieces of fabric sewn together ethically, you've got to have them produced. And we've got countries in this world that are growing cotton instead of growing food for their people and they're starving because it's 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 economically better for them to sell cotton than to eat. Um so you know it's on so many levels the the per- the perversion that's caused by a capitalist system where we value money over people's lives. Um, So it's really not a surprise that it extends to weaponry as well, because every every step of the way, it's it's somebody else's, you know, I just sell the bombs, I don't drop them. They might not want to kill children with them. It's not my responsibility. Every single level is is somebody else's responsibility. Um, And I just think, it, it just you just have to look at it as a problem with capitalism uh, and you need to look at what we value in society and 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 what we and and ever growing gdp does not mean happier people unfortunately thank you um there's a lovely poem sam i am the one who dropped the bomb 
um, sort of look it up on, on YouTube. A fabulous poem, actually. Everybody ought to... Um, run. Uh, do you think there's immense hypocrisy here, Laura? Uh, I mean, everybody's screaming that we need to come out of uh, Afghanistan. Um, and so then when they do come out of Afghanistan, everybody's screaming that um, we made a mistake coming out of Afghanistan. Did it sort of... And, and uh, did you not think that there's just uh, the... Um, a lack of realisation that in a war, people get harmed and damaged. When you go to war, people get harmed. Your own people and other people get harmed. And, and, and people just don't, they want a, a sanitised war um, where nobody gets hurt and, 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 and it just goes on forever. Do you, do you think there's a lack of reality in, in some of these MPs who are saying that we shouldn't have come out? Um, I think you, everyone saying this and everyone saying that, I think your everyone's are two different groups of people. <laughs> there are the people who think we should never have gone who are now saying, we, you know, we should stay and tidy up the mess we've made. <laughs> um, and yeah, I agree with everything that Paul just said, as, as is so often the case that, you know, um, yeah, there's a lack of reality there, but the need, the UK and the US um do need to accept their lot in this and their responsibility and role in this um it's been massive you know we essentially have have caused this um unsettled state and i'm not even sure what would have happened had we stayed um you know me you know i like a good conspiracy theory uh I'm of the belief that there's been deals done here behind the scenes before anybody left. I don't think the US military have just come out because they think, okay, job done. Off we go. We've done our job. I think there's been a deal done there. I don't know what for, but suddenly um, Taliban soldiers can fly massive, really expensive helicopters in the last three days since they've taken over. Well done. Um, you know, that hasn't happened. That's been, you know, a process over a, a matter of years. Um, and to what end? You know, there's the argument there has, has something been done with China. Are they now going to be the, the overlords of the, the Afghanistan people? You know, it's it's all it's all cloaked under mystery. And again, with the whole world leaders pointing the finger at the bad guy. And um, I, I don't think just touching on something Samantha was saying there, I don't think that any politician and certainly not world leaders should have any interests or shares in any big business because it's just um, immoral, especially when big business it's at the minute. Opinion. I mean, does in your opinion, does this prove that Jeremy Corbyn was spot on from the very beginning? When you talk about any politician, I mean, there's... Yes. <laughs> well, yes, it does. Um, but, you know, we, we can't keep harping on about Jeremy as much as I think he's fantastic but yeah he was on the right side of history has proven to be forever and will continue to be and um, we need to have a good strong look at at the interests of the people who are leading our countries and, and why they're making the decisions they are. Thank you absolutely spot on thank you. Finally Stuart um, uh, my, my view is is that all this is a failure of um, intelligence, not a failure of diplomacy or, or even of military action. Um, so that we've just done the wrong thing at the wrong time because we uh, our intelligence services have not provided us with the necessary information to make the correct decisions. Uh, sort of, 
Now that's very much more forgiving of the government uh, than these people who are sort of saying it's it's um, uh, it, it's all a deceit, it's all um, uh, a conspiracy, it's all about money. I mean, what 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 do you think lies behind all of this this disaster? I think it speaks to the mindset of the kind of people who are in power. Uh, I, I saw in the news somebody said we need to treat. The Taliban as if they're our future friends and it's funny that people say that when you know they're bad guys with guns but we, we don't say the same thing when we're talking about nations who need aid or support we only treat people with that kind of reverence and respect when we feel like we're going to get a hard time you know it's pick and choosing what you want when you want and there's absolutely no principled guiding you know decision making process in any of this it's just what they feel like on the day sort of uh god bless you fabulous comments everybody um on the on the stream which sam will pick up in the second half of of, of the program um uh as i said we had to go to the hospital this morning and so it was a treat I took uh, my my wife to McDonald's. I, I know how to show my wife a good time, and uh, sort of that's because she's on a very strict diet. And 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 a, a McDonald's meal just broke the whole thing for her. It was it was desperately um, naughty of her. Um, <laughs> no banana milkshake. No banana milkshake. Supply chain problems. Sam. What do you yes. Think? So this is the absolutely foreseeable consequence of Brexit, which isn't even a, a new thing. This has been happening for like a year that we haven't been able to get the building materials we need in this country. You know, I can tell you two things straight off the back. There's a play park in the town over from me, Bishop Auckland, which hasn't been built because they can't get the materials. There's a huge housing, re, uh, social housing redevelopment project in Shildon, the town where I am, which hasn't happened because they haven't been able to get the building materials but now it's starting to hit food it's hitting Nando's and McDonald's with them not being able to get their uh, food products over and it it is allegedly hitting some supermarkets I haven't seen and many supermarket shelves empty, but then I haven't been in many supermarkets because I don't do that as much as I used to before the pandemic so um I mean the first thing again I'm going on me me anti-capitalist drum banging again because what did the government think was going to happen okay according to conservative ideology the market will solve its own problems mm -hmm. and it will lead to the most effective and the most uh, uh what's the word yeah it will just it will solve everything efficient there we go that the market will, will but it hasn't happened has it because the market doesn't create the most efficient outcome for society. The market creates the most profitable outcome for its shareholders, as I was mentioning before. So we have a situation where the market totally destroyed the working conditions for our long distance lorry drivers. Um, and then when, when um, the the workers who came in to take over that work decided that they either couldn't or didn't want to work 
in British companies anymore because of Brexit or whatever other issues have gone home. There's no one to fill that workforce. And the government have done absolutely nothing to incentivize people to work in that sector, which is totally unforgivable and, and, and tone deaf and what any other superlatives you can think of. I just can't understand how short-sighted they've been. We could have told you this would happen in 2015. <laughs> it's 2021. Thank you, Sam. Sorry to cut you off. Um, right. The time is, is short. Um, uh, Paul, um, Jane Strange says it wasn't inevitable. Um, a Labour Brexit, this wouldn't have happened. Is she right? Paul, you're muted. I'm so sorry, everyone. I've that been was so good, everybody. Ages. You have no idea what you've missed. <laughs> missed so okay. Okay. Go there. Uh, oh, man, it wouldn't be wouldn't be political unmuted without me being slightly uh, muted for a little while, would it? You know, and, and doing, doing other things and reading reading the comments, etc. But, um, yeah, I want to go down the anti-capitalist route like Samantha has because she was absolutely amazing but I also want to say that as well as um as well as like the Brexit thing I think it would have been better uh, I think it would have been better handled under Labour I was always an advocate of doing a Norway deal and then going on a deal by deal basis after that and that way you don't have those supply chain problems but the other supply chain problems were there anyway you had the the driving crisis that Samantha's referred to there um, which was which was a huge problem and continues to be a huge problem. The other thing is as well is if you continually need to create more stuff, if you continually need to create more profit, and um, and then what's going to happen is an exponential growth in the amount of stuff that needs to be transported. And there's only a limited number of roads if you're not building into infrastructure and if you're not paying people properly. And also as well, if you are not supplying locally, like we've got people, who, we've got like. In Britain, you've got like Irish potatoes and then you've got like in France, you've got British potatoes and like, why aren't we just having our like own potatoes and then and then just like, you know, things like that, stupid supply chain things like why are we spending our time moving things to Australia? Like, oh, we'll shove our beef to Australia and they can send their beef to us for some reason destroying the environment that's another supply chain problem the capitalism is not going to solve <coughs> globalization is an issue here um and you know there is a there's an advantage in in certain types of globalization but when you've got something where you've got like a german company that's manufacturing something that they send to the usa to package and then it's a usa thing and they send it over there and it, you know like or, or any of our cars there's things flying around the place all the time if you've got a limited number of drivers, what's going to happen? You're going to run out of things to get in there. Like we're running out of chickens in Nando's and all sorts of things. It's absolutely preposterous. No chickens in Nando's. Yeah. <laughs> um, is this going to ruin, on a much more sensible level, um, so that, is this going to ruin Christmas, Laura, or is it just going to go away and be a, a flash in the pan? Wow. <laughs> well, I don't I don't know that this will necessarily ruin Christmas because we always make the best of things and we don't have to have all the, you know, the traditional stuff um, that we're supposed to have. Everyone can just have beans on toast for Christmas. That's fine as long as people are together and, and all of that stuff. But actually, the major problem for me with the supply chain issues is that 
the medication um all types of medication that just aren't getting here that is gonna make christmas a damn sight harder for a lot of people i tell you um i mean even things like uh i've got a few friends who were on um treatment for hrt and menopause things like that who are just struggling to get through every single day and they're being put on all kinds of medication that just isn't working for them and they can't get the stuff that they know works for them um and it's absolutely ruining their lives so if that doesn't get sorted then yes christmas will be ruined along with every other day because you know we we and we saw this coming we like i don't even work in that industry and i saw this coming so how the people who get paid bloody thousands to sort it out didn't is beyond me it's all capitalism i agree with samantha and and paul on that just we haven't time we haven't time for this question but sort of if it's capitalism how is it brexit because basically what you're saying is is that they would have found some way to make more money if we'd stayed uh, sort of it, it, sort of it's, it's brexit it's capitalism it's a capitalist brexit that's why <laughs> you know we could like paul said if we'd gone down the, the norway deal then we could have we everything would have been okay and we could have just come out and done different deals along the way when we needed them this was just selfishness and somebody wanting to get brexit done because it was a vote winner at the time and because they don't care because those people will just get what they need whenever they need it because they've got the money thank you thank you so much Stuart. last word is always to you uh we're, we're struggling to to do blood tests because of this. So, like, yes, this is legit. You said no tubes. Yeah. So, this is legit, legitimately life or death for some people. This will. Excuse me, two seconds interrupting you, Barbara, if you're listening. Um, sort of, my, my wife knows this very well. She's been waiting months and months and months for an absolutely vital blood test. Um, and um, sort of, and the, 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 it hasn't helped because they've reorganised all the laboratories as well. I mean, there's sort of no doubt that's got something to do with money as well. Sorry, Stuart, I interrupted you. Carry on. I, I, I think it, you, you've hit the nail on the head. You know, it's such a huge concern that, you know, it feels like the walking dead thinking that you can't get a blood test, in some, which is a very basic part of, you know, healthcare systems. And we, if we can't do that... You know, we're very close to teetering onto a real situation here. Thank you. Um, there's all some fabulous comments. Um, I know diabetics who stockpiled insulin so they had over a month's supply because they were so scared of going into diabetic ketoacidosis. Um, one of the problems with this, which we've seen in the pandemic as well, is that the very stockpiling exacerbates the problem. And yet you cannot expect people not to just um, make sure. And it goes for toilet rolls as, as, as much as for insulin. Um, very, very worrying. Um, thank you very much for raising that, Laura. Um, great, finally... Uh, great to hear of someone from Norway, though. Paul the Knight's from Norway there, um, getting involved after I said that I would have taken a Norway deal. It's quite interesting. I think I, I would, uh, Manuel, I would agree. Sort of a Canada deal, very similar. Um, sort of um, Neil Terry. Um, sort of no, I didn't buy my wife uh, a happy meal. Uh, I bought uh, um, uh, sort of um, oh, chicken selects, chicken selects, and uh, and uh, uh, chocolate, um, a McFlurry. Anyway, um, 
those these are the important things about people and you don't have to understand last question it may just be uh laura we can overrun a little bit paul says because we started a little bit late so within the hour um but it's going to be mainly laura talk to me because you have to start by explaining what the hell this is about talk to me about sharon graham and what on earth has been going on there because that came as a complete well surprise i never, never heard of her i think um uh, okay, so Sharon Graham has been elected as the new General Secretary for Unite. Um, she, I think she took post today, did she? Um, anyway, she is now. Um, uh, the fight was kind of between Gerard Coyne, Steve Turner um, and Howard Beckett. Howard Beckett stepped down to support Steve Turner. Um, he was very much the left candidate and very visible and... Um, Howard Beckett was, you know, he's everybody knows who he is. He's a he's very visible character. Um, so I think people thought it would be between him and Jared Coyne, who is considered more to the right. Um, Sharon was the only female candidate. Um, she has she, her whole thing was very much about members and membership and getting better deals for workers rather than. Um, sort of tackling the political side of things um, but also she didn't do all of the bells and whistles on social media that the other candidates did she sort of um, I think her tack was very much getting involved with um, branches and the members themselves and obviously that that sort of campaigning has paid off for her um, she got like over 46 and a half thousand votes um, and I think Steve Turner got 41 so it was it, pretty close but you know there was only 124,000 votes that were actually cast um so yeah she she is now the general secretary first ever female general secretary um of unite um so pretty proud of that um i'm just really looking forward to seeing what she's going to do cuz obviously um i don't know a huge lot about her I don't know her full history I know the Socialist Worker Party were backing her and she's considered left wing so they you know so that ticks my boxes you know left wing I'm all over that and somebody who wants to improve things for members and believes that members voices and um, what they need should be a priority again I absolutely agree with that I think that's fantastic and I really like um, what she's been saying about the link between the Labour Party and Unite um, Howard Beckett was very vocal in opposition to the Labour Party and people loved him um, because of that because you know he's holding um, Keir Starmer to account on, on uh, numerous issues um, which was really good somebody needs to do that but Sharon's come out and said that um, she will sit down with Keith Starmer and talk to him, but she's not going to play the political games. She's not interested in that. She's only interested in what the Labour Party can do to help unite members and help workers get better deals, um, which I, I really liked. Um, I thought that was a really good um, a really good stance to take on it. She doesn't want to get involved in in silly disputes within the Labour Party, and she wants to just. Um, focus on members so yeah i'm excited to see what she can do with it um hopefully um she will stick to her word and do what she you know do what the sharon graham campaign bus says on the tin uh unlike keir starmer and his 10 pledges so i guess time will tell Stuart, um uh do you agree with laura that we're likely to see 
a significant change in political emphasis um, from Unite in future, that it's going to uh, change the direction of its uh, politics, change its direction politically? I don't think it's going to change its direction politically. I think it's going to change how visible it does it. Uh, I think there's a realisation now within Unite that to get things done, you're doing it on behalf of the members. They come first. And part, part of where you have power is uh, with your membership structure, you know, and people that you can, you know, pull towards your agenda. There's absolutely no point, you know, spending a lot of time and money and effort speaking to people who have absolutely, you know, no chance of supporting you in the slightest. You need a really strong, solid base of people who are going to go out and make those arguments and, you know, win power for you if you want to make the change. And I don't think there's, you know, much interest in trying to win power in the Labour Party if you don't have any power there in the first place. So I, I think there's a, a change on how, you know, the organisational aspects are going to go on. It's definitely clearly very left-wing still. Um, I mean, a lot of people mentioning uh, Unite Community and sort of how she's... Um, not visibly enthusiastic, and there's a bit of concern about that. Do, do you share that concern? I do, I do. Uh, one of the things for me is when speak, people speak about workers, and of, often what they're thinking about is people who get wages, when in reality, you know, workers is everybody who, you know, whether they're volunteering in the community, they're a single parent, that they're looking after friends or family or carers, you know, they're all workers and they still, you know, require people to represent them and to organise for them and to, you know, win battles for them. Uh, so we don't we don't want to reduce Unite to just people who are paying, you know, being paid wages. That is, that's definitely something I don't want to see. Thank you. Um, by the way, hello, Heather. Um, sort of Heather's very poorly at the moment. Um, uh, we're all rooting you to, to get well and um, get well as quickly as you can. Um, very briefly, because we are out of time, the sort of the sort of time. I'm mentioning that word very clearly. We're out of time, but sort of have you got anything to add, Sam, first? Yeah, I mean, I didn't I didn't vote for her. Uh, I am a Unite member, but I think it's really great actually because the fact that she won and that that I didn't think she had a chance of winning John you you don't know of her the fact that like she knew where her support was and she was talking to her supporters and not talking to people like me who weren't her target shows what a great organizer she is so I'm really excited to see um what Unite does next and um I, you know if I could turn back time I would vote for her but exactly she wasn't targeting me um and it just goes to show actually how much of social media is just smoke and mirrors we put too I love social media for lots of reasons and I'm very good at it but we do put too much stock in it um, it's all about having the right conversations with the right people. Saying the right thing. Um, last one, Bonnie Hardman. Paul, very, very briefly indeed. She thinks we're witnessing the beginning of the end of the historical links between the trade union movement and the Labour Party. 
Yeah, the Bakers Union are going to disaffiliate because the Labour Party are going to boot out um, their general secretary. So, like, one of the founders of the Labour Party, the Bakers Union, that historical link has gone and that feeds back into what I was saying earlier on about where is the political opposition to these things that are so obvious. Like, you know, these are easy wins. It's low-hanging fruit for any political organisation to say actually workers are being treated badly and, and you know, like um, all the things we were talking about earlier on. So, yeah, I think I think it is. I think if the Labour Party continues on its current track, it, it shouldn't really be called the Labour Party because it isn't there to represent Labour. It is there to represent establishment or boss. But there's already um, a brand called boss, so they probably can't call themselves that. Great, great news, Heather, that you're out of hospital as well. Thank you so much, um, everybody. I thought you were spot on tonight, and a number of people saying so. Um, sort of now, you know what happens, everybody. Um, what happens now is that we play Joe Solo. Um, I go and um, top up my glass with fizzy water, and we come back, and, and Sam has been um, multitasking, looking at your, your comments, and uh, she's going to um, have a little um, uh, sort of chat with people about those things as well. Um, you don't have to stay with us, but most people do. Um, see you in five minutes. Bye. My name is Jack Atkinson. I'm not afraid. And I live and die by this vow that I've made. The only good fascist, a dead one, they say, and a real we are. When I first left all all them months ago, I told them I'd come not to kill but to cure. Well, for an ambulance driver, my shot's pretty sure. And around the real we are There'll be no pass around No pass around No pass around today The fascists have come for our freedom And we ain't gonna give it There'll be no pass around here today. I told my mother, now mother be strong For the left way is right and the right way is wrong and you can stick that on my grave when I'm gone For I'm a real we are There'll be no pass around No pass around No pass around today Fascists have come for Around here today 
cast may be cast and the cast may be cast but you are me of darkness you best do your worst cause to win yeah well you gotta get past those first and around the real we are there'll be no pass around no pass around no pass around today Fascists have come for freedom We ain't gonna give it away There'll be no pass around here No pass around No pass around No pass around today No pass around No pass around No pass around today No pass around No pass around No pass around today Fascists have come for our freedom We ain't gonna give it away There'll be no pass around here today Where'd my voice go? Hello! <laughs> I've obviously not been using it as much as I'm used to. Um, oh, 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 I'm like a 12-year-old boy. What's going on? Um, <clears throat> thank you all for joining us for our uh, first show back after the break. We've had a fantastic raft of comments. What I will say, which I know is a is a to- is a, you know, it's a type of thing you're sick of hearing, but if you did enjoy the show give it a share right because we love you and you're very loyal but we could do there's the space for more people we can have some more people right uh, so please do give it a share or tag somebody you think that might enjoy it or if you've got a local trade union group or a, a local political group of any description give it a share see what happens um and and that'd be nice. That'd be really groovy. Okay, uh, we've had some fantastic comments, um, and and some some. Uh, is there anything particularly you've seen, uh, Paul? You usually see something and go, "Ooh, have you seen that?" Um, there was there was some absolute crackers, but a lot of it was like within the context of what we're saying, and we referred to them. Uh, there's a mm. question there. Um, it's it's nice to see Quantum Skyline. He's just had his car blow up a couple of weeks ago, so that's quite nice oh. to nice to have him back here. 
Um, uh, lovely to hear. Heather is uh, is loads better, which is really brilliant. And I think that'd be nice for our podcast listeners to hear as well, because after John was saying that she's poorly, so she's saying she's much better, which is lovely to hear. Uh, Chris Hood's asking about the Police and Crime Commission for County Durham and Darlington approving plans for the centralised custody and investigation suite in Spennymoor. We talked about this, didn't we, ages ago, and we kind of came to the the agreement that we thought was a terrible idea to do it. I don't see why any of us would have changed our opinion on that being a terrible idea, but I don't know. Well, I mean, obviously... Uh... <laughs> You could say this is me throwing the party line and backing somebody up who's a Labour Party member. But actually, a few weeks ago, what date was it? The 11th of August, there was a, a news article came out um, about Phelan's uh, following a death of a man at Peter Lee uh, station. And actually, it highlights the issues that we've got, which is our custody suites around County Durham are totally unfit for youth and are actually yeah, putting people it's, it's, at risk. Um, and we're talking about very vulnerable people. And we must, must point out that not everybody who is detained in a custody suite is a criminal. And even if they are a criminal, they don't deserve to die for whatever they've done to, to end up there. And, and there's a lot of... Pu- the, pl- the public... Op- it's, it's not a very... It's not something that the... It's easy to sell to the public about spending money on prisons or people who've committed crimes or people who may have committed crimes. The fact of the matter is we we need a state-of-the-art facility that's got appropriate CCTV that can cater for people who are maybe suffering from drug or alcohol uh, addiction and mental health issues. We just don't have that at the moment. Um, yes, I would love, I would absolutely love to have these high value facilities spread around County Durham. But unfortunately, we've been living under Tory authority for more than 10 years and the police have been cut to the bone. So I, I honestly think it's the police trying to do the best with the things that they've, they've got and the financial risk of the lawsuits that will come to them after they've been told that their facilities are unfit for use and then continue using them are way more than the, the cost of the new uh, facility in Spinningmore. Oh, yeah, it's, it's a tricky one. And I, I really don't, it's not great to have people uh, driven all the way from Siam to Spinningmore uh, to spend a night in the cells. But that's the, like, that's the reality of Tory cuts after 10 years, isn't it? But um, just to just to, uh, just to come in on you, I didn't say anything the last time we discussed it because I was um, I, I was there was, there was um, sensitive information which I didn't feel I could um, divulge. But there's many police who will tell you that uh, it's a much much better um, the situation than we have at the moment. And Sam's absolutely correct that many of the um, custody suites are not only in an appalling state, they are non-functional. And so people are saying, you know, oh, they're going to have to drive all the way from Easington to Spennymore. At the moment, they're having to drive all the way from Easington to Darlington. And um, sort of now 
is this the best possible solution? No, Sam's absolutely right. The, the best possible solution would be to have the money to spend on up-to-date proper um, suites um, in, in a number of situations. But um, sort of, they, I don't think we have that, um, the possibility of that yet. Um, and so the other thing that was pointed out to me by the police who were very much for it was that um, the people who are working at that centralised, specialised custody suite will not just be the local sergeant who really doesn't want to do the job because it's a horrible job, that one. So sort of, they will be specialised and it will be much more streamlined and it'll be much more efficient. And at the moment, police are going to these um, very inefficient, very inadequate um, custody centres and they are waiting hours whilst mm. the people they take there are processed. Whereas what, when you've got a proper suite working properly, then that will be much more quicker. And in fact, in this kind of way, which is counterintuitive, it should put more police officers back onto the streets doing their job sooner. Um, that is, is, is the argument of the police. Um, now, the, the, the PCC is questioning this, and let's get to the bottom of it. Let's do it properly. Um, but it's one of those things where the, there's arguments on both sides, and the knee-jerk reaction is not always the first immediate right one. So is, am I getting this right that this is like, so, so everything is so bad at the moment that even this bad idea is better than the situation that we're in now? So, dear yeah. me, well, you know, it's it's a bit pretty bleak, isn't it? The the whole, the whole thing. Um, I, you know, I, I'm more of um, like what I think it was Neil. We need more uh, mental health services, social services, because that's what the men, uh, the police are dealing with. That's what police have been uh, been speaking to, saying they haven't to deal with mental health situations rather than um, crimes, or some some of them just like, you know. Hitting people at protests, things like yeah. that, you know, every now and then. In any case, it's one of the most difficult things in politics to change your mind and to look at data and decide on what the right thing to do is rather than what perhaps the best thing to do for your career is. So if that is indeed what Joy is doing, I totally take my hat off to her. And um, in terms of perhaps changing our mind on it and whatever that means. We'll see in a couple of months what else other politicians change their mind on and maybe there's a few people who have to eat their words in the next few months in local Good. politics. Are you wanting to talk, Stuart? Were you wanting to say something? Right. I'm just... Right, because clearly this is a, a situation where, you know, the finances and the time frame have really made the decision, you know, for... Uh, the police and crime commissioner rather than you know because these cuts are across the board though aren't they so if this is happening for the police imagine what's happening in social services and in the nhs and all these organizations having to make you know the least bad decision and eventually that's all going to turn into one giant car crash of the least bad decision and it's all going to crumble can I ask you a question, Samantha? I mean, yep. Carl Alexander Rosser says specialised and streamlined sound like euphemisms were privatised to me. Now, uh, I'm sort of, I wasn't of the understanding that there's that we're privatising yeah. this. Um, sort of, um, it, 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 it's sort of 
Um, I do take um, both Stuart and Paul's um, comments that sort of, and it's what's happened in the in schools, and it's what's happened in the NHS that sort of money gets stressed. So the answer is centralised, bigger, huge, big things, and everybody goes and they're much, much cheaper, and 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 very often it's much, much more horrid. Um, so the um, but that's the way I think Stuart's right. Um, people are trapped by the finances of it. I think maybe what Samantha was saying about streamlining things was the genuine use of the word that privatizing people use to make it sound like they're not doing privatization. So there's a there's probably a little bit in that. Um the, the genuine use of it being lost because of how it's been misused. Did you see the one of um from uh, Mark Lungley about uh Mark Drakeford? Yes. I like that one. <laughs> Do you want to talk about that one? Do you want to give us a little bit of a... Well, tell me all about it, yes. What's going on here? What's okay, this Okay, so it, it, it's, it's developed actually during the show a little bit. So it's funny, I posted something on my Facebook wall earlier on and one of my uh, one of the people who uh, often replies, who's more to the right of me, Frank Roaches, um, has, has said, oh, well, you know, it's only these small-time people who aren't in it. So what it is, is Mark Drakeford is the only person in, in the Labour Party who's actually in charge of, well sort of in charge of a country um he's the first minister of wales and he's he's like by a lot of people's standards seems a lovely man he's to the left of the labor party he's popular he's doing a good job looks like he'll get elected again um he's going to do the world transform festival which is a fringe festival to the um to the labor party conference um and, you know, certain, like, only the best kind of people are invited to be on the World Transformed, such a socialist think tank. But anyway, um, so we're going to be there in a couple of weeks' time um, do, doing a live broadcast from there. But also on the on the bill of people like Jeremy Corbyn and Ken Loach and people like that. So on an entirely different bill to them, because there's all sorts of things going on. If anyone's ever been to any kind of festival, whether that's a politics one or anything like that, you'll know that you'll have something going on on one area. Maybe like if it's a music festival, it'll be the main stage and then there'll be different tents around. There'll be different things going on. All sorts of different things going on. And um, a couple of Labour right people have started going, oh, Mark Drakeford's terrible. He's going to be on The World Transformed. Now, I'm not sure if that's because The World Transformed is actually interesting because a lot of interesting and fun things happen there and I know those people have an aversion to anything either interesting or fun and a lot of the time helpful but um, you know they found out Ken Loach beloved internationally famous film director will be there and Jeremy Corbyn is going to do a keynote speech there and Mark Drayford's going to be there talking about universal basic income so they're saying he shouldn't do that and he's a really naughty man because, like, you know, you can't be in the same place as Jeremy Corbyn and Ken Loach because the world will melt. Um, and then what also happened as well is during this show, the Board of Deputies, that famous Labour supporting group that all seem to support the Conservative Party that, um, and who say that they speak for the Jewish community, um, despite a lot of Jewish people I know saying they don't in any way, shape or form speak for them. And uh, they actually really dislike their quite right wing view of the world um, have come out and put Mark Drakeford under a lot of pressure. So Mark Drakeford is now um, 
putting himself in a situation where he will be accused of anti-Semitism uh, by association with a festival um, of like so. And I'll if you want me to read what the board of deputies of British Jews has said. Um, we are deeply concerned by the oh, Board of Deputy Press comments on the deeply disturbing news that Welsh First Minister Mark Driffitt is set to appear at a festival which will also feature people suspended or expelled from the Labour Party for their role in the party's anti-Semitism crisis in recent years. We are deeply concerned by this and have raised the matter with the First Minister's office and with Labour officials. It cannot be fitting for the First Minister and Welsh Labour leader to participate in events with people who have been suspended or expelled from Labour for their role in the party's anti-Semitism crisis over recent years. We call on Mr Drakeford to withdraw from this event and instead address the important topic of welfare reform at a more appropriate forum from Marie Van Zyl, um, from the broad, Board of deputies of British Jews who uh, read into her. Just read into Marie Van Zyl and find out what kind of person she is. She isn't left-wing, let's see. Let's put it that way. You don't know this is the second half. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Barbara. Everybody's saying hi to you. So, um, so yeah. So, th this... This story's kind of grown and grown and it's going to be the next... Uh, it's going to be the next anti-semitism crisis in the labor party um, oh man so yeah i think that... is he only allowed then to speak at labor party festivals then well i don't it's know what the world transformed isn't a labor party festival but he's only allowed to speak association at that's the, that's the frightening thing mm. and and we are right into mccarthyism well, and if if you go if you go to the other Wrong thing friend. that was released by uh, Young Labour today, they are saying that nobody mm. um, who is associated with uh, with um, Palestine Solidarity, of, of which I'm a member, I'm quite happy to admit because there's nothing wrong with caring about the Palestinian people and the plight of the Palestinian people. Uh, they're saying that nobody who is associated who is a member of Palestine Solidarity um, will be allowed to speak at the Labour Party conference this year. So that is... No, what it was young... the young... No, 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 no. It was, it the... was the young Labour conference that they're trying to organise and they've used that as a reason to say, we can't... We can't. We we haven't got the time to okay all of your speakers because we don't want anyone from Palestinian Solidarity com Campaign or Jeremy Corbyn. So if you have any of them, um, you it won't be allowed to go ahead. But because we haven't got time to find out who all your speakers are going to be and vet them all, you can't have your conference. <laughs> and they're still trying to get um the go ahead from uh, David Evans as to whether or not a conference. Yeah. But they're worried in case they have people who are pro-Palestine there. I think they're more worried about having a young, young Labour conference. It seems like they're going out of their way. They're now expelling young members for saying that young members don't like the Labour Party anymore. So, it's all... Uh... Uh, I, I concur with Leanne, who has just posted three poop emojis. Uh... <laughs> That was much more eloquently put, Leanne. Thank you. I should have just done that. <laughs> and much more with Carl Alexander Rosso, who says, I'm shocked, shocked, I tell you, but I would replace it with the proper word, which is doomed. 
We're doomed, doomed. <laughs> I tell you. So the, um, the, it's it's horrific what's happening. Uh, you know, I don't. I don't even. I don't know how people can take themselves seriously and do things like this. It's very silly. Very, very soon. I thought you've got a plan, haven't you, though, for a a motion for conference, Paul? So I'm going to get us all thrown out of the party here. So your your, your plan is that that we we, we start expelling people on the grounds of future associations they may have, which uh, groups which are now acceptable, but may in future be prescribed. It was more of a it was more of a joke than it. It was more of a joke than a plan. But what I did say was, um, you know, the film Minority Report, where they find out what's going on in the future and then they come and arrest you for it before you've done the crime. Well, we could maybe do that in the Labour Party. Um, but let's see. Let's see if I can find exactly what I said. Um, yeah, um, we have reason. So they could send a letter to, to you saying we have reason to believe that you will at some point in the future, at, at some point in the future, you will associate with members of a group that will come into existence at a point further in the future. At a third point in the future, the Labour Party will deem the group to be a threat to capitalism and the managerial class we represent and will therefore prescribe the group. We have therefore taken the decision to expel you from the Labour Party. If you are able to provide evidence that you will not speak to a person or persons that may join a group that could come into existence in the future or that the Labour Party will not deem any potential group to be against its values, please provide this in writing within seven days. And that appears to be... <laughs> it's not even really that far-fetched anymore. So, Because a lot of people have been sent letters saying they, they, they should... They've been told they've been expelled because they've prescribed a group that someone had spoken to in the past when the group wasn't prescribed. That's right. I don't think... I mean, Neil Terry says it's satire, but it's, it's not, Neil, because we're chucking people out of the Labour Party for... Um, cozying up to a group which wasn't prescribed by the party when they cozied up to them. Now, how is that acceptable? How is that legal? Mm, well, it might not be, isn't it? There are there are legal cases going through. They won't they won't deal because it's a membership organisation, so the law really doesn't apply to like you know. It's it's like you know when people talk about no platforming people. Well, you can't no platform someone really. You can just say, well, you know, if I decided to, um, you know, on Socialist Night Live, say to John, John, would you like to come on Socialist Night Live on Saturday, and then say, actually, John, I've got a different guest. I wouldn't have no platformed him. I'd have just said, you're not coming on. And a lot of people are mistaken this no platforming for that. So. But you're allowed to. I would. I would be perfectly allowed to do that in the Labour Party. They seem to be okay with the Labour Party setting rules that don't necessarily have any basis in sense. Anyway, I. I mean, I mean, my pit. My where I am is I am uh, going back to grassroots stuff. Because all of this stuff hurts my head and uh, hurts my heart, um, <laughs> like really. Um, but I know that if I work in my local community, I can make good things happen. And I would just 
let other people scrap about things that I don't really fully understand I don't think you know and um I'll just tr- try keeping doing good in the world and I think that's all the, all that we can do but uh, we'll watch out to see what happens with this Mark Drakeford story for sure um I mean because you're totally right when, when you say when you agree to you you can it's perfectly reasonable to ask somebody to check out who they are sharing a direct platform with, like who else is going to be on the panel if you're going to be able to, it's fair enough to ask people to do that. But when you, you can't expect somebody to know every every speaker at, at a conference before you sign up to it, like well, how what hard about, that What be? about speaking at parliament? Like, you know, or, eh? or, or the front bench of the Labour Party, you're quite happy to share a platform with conservatives they do yeah. it regularly so how can how can someone who is a member of the labor party jeremy corbyn mm. be someone who is so dreadful that you can't even share a platform with them in a different room it's not even a platform but you can like share a platform with your political opponents you know like you, I, I always thought the Labour Party and the Conservative Party were meant to be a bit yin and yang, you know? They, 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 they should be pretty opposed to one another. But it doesn't seem to be the case. Um, I need to... I haven't um, seen this thing about the, the Young Members Conference either, but again, the whole point of having young members conferences and women's conferences is so that minority people who you know don't hold the power in our society get a chance to talk about the things that they think are important so if you're going to go straight in and censor them and basically say oh you don't get a conference after all especially when you look at the that particular dynamic it's very much like big boring granddad says you're not allowed to have a conference until you've cleared your room it's just ridiculous isn't it? Anyway, but I will have not, I have not looked it up, so I will look it up properly before I say anything else and get myself, get myself uh, into suspended. trouble. <laughs> the let's not, let's but not. If he gets uh, kicked out for that reason, though, and we're hosting one of the shows there, does that mean we're <laughs> next to go? I know. And then does that mean you all are because you've appeared on this before we went to the World Transformed? What about and then all of you listening? watching? The, but there's people in. who've listened to this <laughs> show. And, they, and they've done oh so God. unironically. They do, if you're listening to this ironically, uh, make sure that you pull a face and have a photo selfie of you. Because, <laughs> like that. Um, Chris Hood, <laughs> I can't keep crying out about this one. What before it disappears off the bottom? What are the panel's thoughts on the recent actions of XR in London? Hooray, hooray, hooray. Nobody, not even the left, is taking this crisis, uh, this climate crisis, sufficiently um, seriously. Certainly not Boris and his crowd. Those people are heroes because they've tucked them up against him. The police are um, actively uh, working against them. You wish that they'd works in the same way against other groups and sort of they just plow on they are so careful about doing things right they have the training people before they go on the marches they're recruiting all the time they are absolutely brilliant and i'm sort of i'm in the northern echo uh, saying they have to win 
they have to win. And if they don't win, then just you watch and see what happens to your world. Um, the, the, well done, XR. And if I were brave enough and, 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 and it wasn't the pandemic, I'd be there with them. Sort of, um, they put me to shame. Thank you. To, if you're an XR member watching, um, brilliant. I, I applaud you. Left are too busy arguing over the Labour Party. I think maybe we probably should do more things like XR. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're just brilliant, sort of, um, uh, sort of, and so so outrageous. I mean, uh, chucking red paint all over institutions that um, uh, support fossil fuels, invest in fossil fuels. I would never dare do that. Would you dare do that? Sort of. Ah, oh. and and it's just so apposite in the so correct that they should do it and then super gluing you off to things i mean i would never do that because what if they tried to pull you off it would hurt like hell wouldn't it and rip all your skin up and and so (laughs) just absolutely brilliant um uh i i think uh cat cray what i said um to um bbc question and any answers was that um look at what XR are doing and compare it to what the suffragettes did to give you the bloody vote. Just compare it. XR are pussies compared with the suffragettes and and, 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 and sort of we are absolutely privileged to have these people representing us so wisely and so responsibly in acts of civil disobedience, an absolutely correct, non-violent way of going about protest. Um, fabulous. And, and, and sort of and pray God that it doesn't come to acting like the suffragettes. But these people gave you your vote, Cat Cray, and they did much, much worse. I think Kat yep. would be right up there to be fair. Like, no one, no one, Kat, she'd be, uh, if there were suffragettes about, I think oh, she'd right. be with That's them. <laughs> no one, Kat. That's one outspoken person, Kat Cray. You must come on the show, Kat. So it's sort of, it's yeah. Again. A good rousting about. <laughs> Just so you know, John, you can super glue yourself to things in confidence because Neil says they use a solution to undo the glue to melt. No, 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 I wouldn't trust them. They, they enjoy hurting me when they pull it. It's like pulling off a plaster in hospital. I want to pull it off myself in the shower. Um, so to, what is the solution, Neil? I need some of it. So when it came to it, I said, no, no, I'll do it myself. I'll do it myself. I'll undo it myself. Neil, come on the show. Absolutely. The more the merrier. We definitely need more people. Um, what was I going to say? I was going to say something and I can't remember what it was. Um, oh, I should have written it down. Never mind. That is the high quality, high standard of, of, <laughs> of what <laughs> we get. <laughs> on Critical music has become famous. <laughs> yeah. Rambling, rambling. You wish we we were muted. Um, no, it's gone. Okay. <laughs> oh, we uh, mom, it's my first day of work in ages tomorrow. Yeah, I have a bike in. I might go to sleep at some point tonight. Mm, yeah, you should do that. Laura so looks in can... favor of sleep. You yeah. are at work, which means that I am at home working from home with two young children and a poodle dog so yes yeah. sleep 
Yeah. To the dog. Love to the dog. Yeah, she she hurt her leg. Jumping off something high. Mm. Oh, well, oh we want... walked her too far in Whippy and she's tired. Could be that, yeah. Right then. So I am going to say if you have not liked this video, if you want to do the tiniest, tiniest, most insignificant thing to support us, remember to like this video or wherever you are just give it a click that's all you need to do if if you like us a little bit more than that you could share it but and if you don't already make sure you subscribe we are on facebook we're on twitter we're on youtube we're on twitch are we anywhere else instagram we're on podcast there we go uh, whatever podcast app you use even Spotify, we're on there. Just search Socialist Think Tank. And there's tons and tons of shows for you to catch up on if you do feel like you want to hear our fantastic, lovely, lilting northern voices before you go to bed at night. Um, so please do all of those things. And remember, you can become a member and it's free. And it just gives you a little bit extra access to us when I'm talking about chickens at three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> um so thank you are we on periscope mark we're on periscope i don't know yeah periscope <laughs> it, periscope doesn't exist anymore it's uh it not? It, twitter yeah. bought it so it's now twitter live oh okay great yeah uh, it's been lovely having your fantastic comments thank you so much and we will be back we are on political unmuted every tuesday night at nine o'clock and we talk about things that you have voted for us to talk about in the political unmuted facebook group if you've not found that yet you can search that great all right then we're gonna <laughs> say bye bye everybody nicely done <laughs> bye 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 The red flag flying here